This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to some sort of Clear Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. This podcast coming out a little late. Uh, our apologies. Been a little under the weather this weekend. But Michael, I have to say, there's nothing like a bye week when you're winning. Uh, how did you enjoy uh, your Sunday of stress-free football? It was a lot of fun. And, you know, granted, it's a very new experience for us because typically it's like uh, sort of sort of a, a relief compared to what you're used to. You know, you have to suffer through the Jets every single week. So it's like, ah, and you get those, you know, cliche jokes every year. Oh, Jets didn't lose to the bye week. You know, that's really hilarious and original. <laughs> but uh, But this year you don't get that. It's kind of a different feeling where you kind of miss the Jets to an extent. Um, but there were some important games on, you know, in the AFCs, the Bills playing the Vikings, Dolphins playing the Browns. So I was a full on Vikings and Browns fan on this Sunday and it didn't didn't go too well in the Miami game. You know, Dolphins looked pretty good on that one. But the Vikings, man, I got to yeah, I got to admit, I, I gave up on that pretty quickly. Probably by halftime I was done. But um, and even <laughs> by the end of the third quarter. But wow, that comeback they made was was crazy and it really changes the course of the AFC East going forward and kind of puts the Jets in a in a better position coming out of that week than going into it you know with the Bills now having another loss tacked on and being behind the Jets in the standings by virtue of that head-to-head win so you know it was fun to just be able to sit back and watch some other games but it also is different this year because the Jets are actually capable of winning games so you do miss the the potential feeling you get of, you know, maybe winning a game. So it's a little bit different, but it was also fun to root against some of the playoff rivals. Yeah, Michael. And with that win, the Jets have the opportunity to move into first place of the AFC East if they beat the Patriots next week. And so, so that makes that game feel even bigger. And I'm glad that the Pats game is the first one after the bye, because we talked about it after the Bills game. We're a little worried when you have those, those big emotional wins. And then even when you walk into a bye week, um, it's possible to maybe get a little complacent. Um, but when you have that, that new England team staring you, uh, with an opportunity to go into first place in the AFC East, um, you know, the jets are going to be motivated, uh, to go into Gillette and, you know, it, it sucks that the, the, that Bill Belichick also had a bye week to kind of prepare for Zach and this jets team. I, I don't think, you know, we'll have more on the Patriots, uh, game on, on Friday when we do our preview podcast. I don't think that will be a walk in the park for the jets, but I do think, uh, that they have, you know, a very good chance of winning that game. And the fact that the jets could be the first team in the AFC East at this point in the season, I don't think anybody saw coming. So uh, a huge win for, for Minnesota and look, the bills playing that first place schedule. They have other games on their schedule that they could maybe, they could maybe lose. I don't know, including one in a few weeks uh, against the jets that, 
I'm going to be honest. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, Michael. I think that game gets flexed to Sunday Night Football. Do you agree with me? I think the Jets are going to get one because I think Sauce Gardner is too big of a star and has too cool of a nickname. Um, I, if it were, if we could choose, I would say the uh, Vikings game is the best because you get the primetime right. Kirk Cousins. Yep. You get the Justin Jefferson versus Sauce Gardner matchup. Um, Zach Wilson in an indoor stadium. I like that. Um, but I think I think it's going to be the Bills game, unfortunately. Do, do you think uh, any of these gets get flexed? Yeah, it depends on the games that week. Do you remember what the Bills week one is? I'm trying to pull it up right now, but if you remember, I'm pretty sure throw it's, it out there. Is it Broncos? Hold on. It might be Broncos Chiefs. There's a, there's one week where it's Cowboys. So okay, I know it's not Packers Eagles. I got it. It's Packers uh, Eagles that week? Nope. I'm looking at the wrong one. That's week 12. Yeah. That's when the Jets play the Bears, though, which is kind of interesting. I don't think the Bears are good enough in the standings, but Justin Fields, you know, with him sort of elevating maybe interesting although i doubt it but week 14 is here it is um chiefs and broncos so yeah i, I agree yeah. with you i think that's the one i think we talked about this um maybe in the last podcast but broncos on prime time that's coming off i mean no one can tolerate the broncos it's been yeah but it is discussed. mahomes it, it is, is mahomes, mahomes on prime time. but there is plenty of mahomes throughout the season already um i don't know i don't think the broncos would be tolerated by people to get another primetime game so i think there's a good shot of that one but the vikings would definitely be good just um, to clarify that that what you're talking that's the jets bills week right yeah that's the bills week uh and the vikings week is colts and cowboys yeah they're not taking the cowboys off prime yeah time. and the jeff saturday uh storyline that's staying on yeah so yeah. um yeah i agree with you i think bills will be the one well, that's, I mean, look, I think the, the 1 p.m. games, Saul even said he likes it. He likes the routine, and it definitely makes uh, our podcast schedule a little easier. Um, but, man, I want a Sunday night football game. What was the last, what was the last, is it, was it the 2011 Jets-Pats game that you went to, or is there? A yeah, I think that was it. I mean, technically the 2012 Thanksgiving game against oh, that, the Pats yeah. was NBC, but obviously that was not on Sunday. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, it's been 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 a while. Oh, oh, like and the first half of my life at this point. And we had the Jets doll, the infamous, super memorable Jets Dolphins 2016 game on Saturday Night Football. That was NBC. Uh, so right. I don't think it was Al Michaels though. That was, a, that was an excellent game. That the, it's just Sunday Night Football is just the sign that you've arrived. You know, it just feels like you're a good team. Um, all right. Regardless, we probably should hop into what today's podcast actually is, which is a mailbag. Thank you to everybody who submitted questions a few days ago. Um, a lot of questions to go over here, Michael. So I, I, and every time we do one of these, it's always like, all right, let's move through these rapid fire. And then we end up taking like 10 minutes in each question. And the podcast is three hours long. Uh, I know people like the long pods. I, I don't know if we have three, I don't know if I have three hours in me today, but we'll see. So we got to keep it. We're going to, I mean, we'll give each, each, you know, question, uh, it's, it's It'll due be time, concise, you know, just but, reasonable amounts of time. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to keep things on track, but we have, we have two questions that are going to come from the hosts here michael you you brought your own question i brought my own question should we save these for for the end or should we kick it off with it i mean how do you how do you feel i don't i mean i know michael's question michael doesn't know mine um how about this let's start with michael's and we'll end with mine yeah all right yeah i was gonna say we could start with that all right so all right so i'm starting yeah you can ask okay so this is something i was thinking about um before we started recording and i think about random questions with the jets a lot it's kind of frequent throughout the day just having these little internal discussions about the Jets, because why not? You're six and three um, competing for the AFC East. What better do I have to think about throughout the day when I'm just going about my business? So this is a question that came up for me. I'm, tr- I'm looking ahead to the second half and I'm just trying to think 
you know, what are for you the top name or how about your top two for each of these top two reasons the Jets might improve as a team compared to the first half top two reasons they might decline as a team because, you know, bye week it's coming right in the middle of the season here. The Jets are at a, you know, sort of a crossroads with some injuries. They've lost some key players in the first half. They got some guys coming back and you also have young players and a young quarterback who are trying to improve and make that second year progress. So there's, it feels like there's a lot of potential for this team to really change its outlook going forward within the season. So for you, your top two reasons they might improve and top two reasons they might uh, may potentially regress in the second half. I mean, I think obviously one of the reasons that they could regress um, is injuries. I mean, and look, injuries happen to everybody, Um, every team, you know, like literally every fan base, it's given me some perspective. And I think, um, I don't know the numbers on if there's been more injuries this year compared to other years, but it seems like every fan base, if you just rep- go to look through Twitter and all the replies to, to their team or whatever, it's always like, um, well, if we were healthy, you know, we would have won this game. Or could you imagine if we stayed healthy? Like the Bills fans are on that. The Dolphins fans are on that. Obviously, the Jets have the right to be on that train as well. But every single team deals with injuries. But the Jets, I think they have they have a few guys I think they can't afford to lose and everybody else. While as good as they might be, I think they could maybe survive. I think the number one guy that they can't afford to lose is Quinnen. I, I, I almost don't want to even go through this list because I feel like it's, it's putting it Just out there, but complete jinx. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Don't put that evil on me. But I feel like AVT, we definitely say can't afford yeah, to lose. And then that's two true. weeks later, we win a game against the bills with Cedric. That's true. Way he okay. You played. know what? So injuries are weird. Yeah, that's true. I, I was going to say Quinnen and Sauce. I would say if if they those two stay healthy, I think the defense can survive. Like like a guy like CJ Mosley is huge for this defense, but I think they could maybe get like they would take a hit, but they could still win games. I think if they lost Sauce, um, and Quinnen, they'd be done. If they lost one of them, could really hurt. But that's one reason they could regress. All right, enough negativity. I didn't. <laughs> I don't want to open the pot with that, but that is one reason they could regress. Um, it happens to everybody. The Jets will certainly lose guys. They'll, you know, they, there's a question coming up here about Rankins. They've lost him for the next few weeks, but I think the interior defensive line depth isn't as good as maybe you might think. And Quinnen is unbelievable. Um, so losing him or losing a guy like Sauce, just the type of rookie year he's had, um, could definitely cause the Jets to to slip a little bit in the second half. Uh, I think one of the reasons they they might improve, and this, you know, this is also another reason they might. Uh, regress so double whammy is zach i mean the obvious one like his performance really does dictate um how the rest of the season will go if he takes if he continues to build off that bills performance and they're getting that level of quarterbacking from him there's no reason the jets can't make a playoff run a serious right. playoff run yeah like for sure. and i uh, my favorite word on the podcast is about to, to come up again i don't want to be hyperbolic there we go if, there, if, it is. There, there it is baby but if, if he keeps playing to the level that he and you can't say that but we saw it uh, against Miami I think we saw it in that fourth quarter against Pittsburgh I think you saw it in the first half against New England and I think you saw it in the entirety of that Buffalo game just a guy who understands the offense manages the game takes care of the football um but takes you know but it doesn't play with fear doesn't play timidly you know he has to be able to play fearless and trust what he sees trust his arm trust his eyes and I think you saw that against uh against the Bills where it was like the combination of being protective of the football, but being uh, aggressive and and downfield and attacking that secondary. Um, but also if, if Zach can't, 
you know, if they hit, if they get hit with injuries and Zach really can't keep that consistency or he makes, continues to make, you know, crushing um, decisions each game uh, that could definitely cost him some games. And, and look, this AFC, there's so much parody in the NFL right now, but especially in the AFC and as good of a season the Jets are having, you know, if they lose a few games here, they could, they could put themselves behind. I mean, look, for God's sakes, all four of the AFC's teams are in the playoffs and that means you have the bill or sorry, that means you have the Bengals and chargers on the outside looking in. Um, and you know, so they're just full of good teams that if the quarterback play isn't there and, and, or they, they lose some guys to injuries, which they obviously will. And they lose a few games. It could cost them. So Zach really just needs to be able to, he doesn't have to carry them. He just has to steer the ship. You know, he just right. has to be like, you put it, you texted this to me, a supercharged Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's what you're hoping he can be. Yeah. But if he can just be Jimmy Garoppolo, they'll continue to win games. Um, and then you want you want another optimistic reason that they might improve. Um, okay, let's hear it. I think winning one of the be- I think the NFL entirely is about momentum. A lot of sports are, but when you win in the NFL, and especially the way that the Jets are winning and the style of defense that they play, I think it's contagious. I think that that winning mentality. Um, keeps reinforcing itself you've seen it time and time again this season where they talk about you know like the fourth quarter jets or you know i keep tweeting that we're we're a fourth quarter team like every time the game goes into the fourth and time and time again they keep um proving to themselves uh what they've said all off season and i think that now that they they've kind of they got to sit in that bills game for a whole week and they look back at what they've accomplished in this first half of the season i think the confidence that they get from that um radiates and it it will carry itself out throughout the second half of the season no matter what happens i think the fact that they can look at real actionable things that they have accomplished and proves the type of talent that they have on this team um does far more um than any anything else we've we've listed here i think that is a real actionable thing that will help them um because it's just so hard to win when you haven't been winning but when you have one and with this team and you get that ball going even if they they slip up and they they drop a game to the Bears or you know a, another dumb game, I think that um, that confidence will, will be there throughout the rest of the season. So I don't know. There, there's no, I totally agree with that. I'm glad you brought that point up because I think that's that's a point the Jets have kind of reached uh, at this point of the season that they've been trying to get to for a long time. And that's you know you look at a lot of the consistent winning teams around the league, and a lot of times it. You know, we're talking about the teams that win year after year, and it feels like a lot of these teams, the common theme is that they just find ways to win. You know, sometimes they'll have seasons where they're banged up, they lose a lot of players, or the ball just doesn't bounce their way, and they lose some close games, whatever, but it seems like they always find a way to outperform what they should be doing. And it's all it's almost like exactly what you said, to where once you start winning, once you finally break out of that funk and become a winning team it becomes easier, easier to maintain because you just kind of see it happening. You feel it happening and you have that confidence and that just belief in each other to where it doesn't matter if you're down 10 in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter if you drop a game that you're not supposed to, you can rebound off of losses and prevent things from snowballing. You could rebound from a bad start to a game and come back in the fourth quarter. It just feels like the jets have been waiting for so long to get out of that point where Every single year was lose a season opener, then lose again and again. Season's over already. Yeah. And, you know, just and then in game, it would be, you know, you penalty in the opening kickoff, or you go down <laughs> with a bad sequence before halftime, or you, you know, the game's close, then you lose it going to the third quarter. You can't make the comebacks. Like it just felt like anytime something bad would happen, whether it's within one game or on a season level, 
it would just snowball from there. But now it feels like the Jets kind of started with that Browns game. And then with Zach's return against the Steelers, those two wins right there. And it's kind of been taken from that point. It feels like they've finally gotten themselves out of that hole to now they're a legitimate football team who could rebound from bad things and just continue chugging forward. So I think the Jets have finally gotten to that point. So we'll see if hopefully they can maintain that for the rest of this year and for seasons to come going forward. But it does feel like the Jets are that kind of football team now, which is which is great to see. Yeah, you think about like the the Patriots too, like why they've they've won year in and year out, and like yeah, okay, they had Brady for a while, and they still have Belichick. But I think there's also when you're a part of a winning organization, there's an ex- expectation to win, and I think that really does carry itself um, throughout the entire week. Or like even look at a team like like the Bengals. <laughs> when you saw the Bengals on your schedule three years ago, you chalked it up as as a or like fans would be like, okay, we can win that game, or that's a win. Um, and they weren't looked at as, as a winning organization. Um, and now, I mean, look, you have an influx of talent and you go to a Super Bowl. You know, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg. But now you look at the Bengals in your schedule and there's an expectation there for from the Bengals side of things that we're going to win this game. And you heard Sala talk about this, like where he said, um, you know, there's going to a lot of his post game speech after the the Bills game where he, where he said, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to call this uh, or say that we we shocked somebody, but we didn't shock nobody. You know, the expectation in this locker room and Saul has been very clear about this, that is that they're going to win on Sundays. And you're seeing that. And now that the fact that they have the resume to back it up, I think that will definitely help them, especially on defense, because the style of all gas, no break defense that they they play is highly predicated on communication and confidence. And the Jets are really communicating quite well. You can see that just watching them. Um, but the confidence is there. You know, they have the, the you could just see it by how they're playing they, when they play confidently and even, not even on the defensive side of the ball go to quarterback i think quarterback is a position that's really predicated on confidence you know when you're feeling yourself you're going to trust your eyes you're going to trust your arm you're going to trust yourself to fit that ball into the tight window but when you know when you've thrown two interceptions or three interceptions and you you know your team is losing and the the crowd is booing it's like you're questioning every decision you're making and it affects yourself so i think the fact that the jets have one is a reason to (laughs) that they will continue to, to, to win and continue right. to improve throughout the season. All right, let's move on because we did exactly what we said we were going to do in yep. 15 <laughs> minutes. That's my fault. All right. Um, all right. From at, this is the first, uh, first oh, question. Wait, were, you were going to ask. ask me oh one? yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were going to, I thought we were going to end the pod with the question I was going to ask. Oh you. yeah. Okay. So that, like might, that might be a little bit. Do a two bookends there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good way to do it. All, all right. From we'll at, from at, uh, from at earth underscore two underscore Adam, all things considered, if you were to tell me the Jets would be six and three at the bye and fighting for the playoffs, I'd sign up for it. But what needs to change for the Jets to properly make a playoff push? P.S. Breeze for comeback player of the year in 23. Lock it in. I agree with you on Breeze, but we'll see. Um, kind of a similar question, but I guess what do they need to change? Um, Michael, I talked for a lot on that on that last one. What do you think the Jets need to necessarily change uh, if they want to make a, a proper playoff push? Yeah, well, I guess to start out, I wouldn't say change. I would just say maintain for Zach Wilson exactly what he did against the Bills, which, you know, in that specific game, it was a change. But I think that is the formula right there. I really think both within himself and both, you know, both from him ind- individually and the play calling from LaFleur's perspective. I think the Jets discovered their identity in that game. And we'll we'll see if it can be maintained. You know, you can't just have the same exact game plan every single week. But I just think from a philosophy perspective and mentality perspective, the way they played offensively against the Bills is exactly how this team should be trying to win games going forward. I mean, 
just the way they play complements everything the Jets need to do right now. You know, controlling the clock, running the ball, keeping the ball safe. When you have a great defense like the Jets do right now, those are all the things you want to do. You don't necessarily need to run long developing passing concepts to get big plays. You don't need to, uh, from Zach's perspective, try to extend plays, make big plays outside the pocket. When you're playing defense as well as the Jets are, and when you're running the ball as well as the Jets occasionally have been doing this season, you know, they've had some down games, but there have also been some games where they've run it really well. Um, but when you do have those two things, you don't need to, you know, get get too fancy when it's not necessary. Now, obviously, down the line in the future, you'd like to be able to do that consistently and just be able to throw the ball at will throughout the game like the Chiefs can like the Bills can and all these teams, obviously that's the dream. But right now, looking at this team, what they do well, and looking at Zach Wilson and where he is in his development, the best way to play football right now is to get the ball out quickly, keep it safe, make confident decisions, play within the rhythm of the offense. And they did all those things against the Bills. So I think is if they could stick with that and maintain it throughout these next eight games, then I think Zach and the passing attack will put the rest of the team in the best position to do what those parts of the team do best and allow them to carry the Jets to wins. Yeah, I, I obviously agree with everything you said, but honestly, more importantly, in my, I mean, maybe not more importantly, but if you want to win in December, and especially if you want to win in January, you have to be able to run the football. Yeah. And in my eyes, I think the Jets did a, I mean, obviously they did a great job against Buffalo, especially that last drive um, between Michael Carter and James Robinson. And, you know, also, the guys up front deserve a huge shout out. I thought that Agwehi has been honestly pretty good considering what, what I was expecting from him. And Nate Herbig has been awesome. Um, but yeah, if they want to win, they're going to have to continue to run the football. And they've lost AVT. They've lost Brees. They do get Fant and Mitchell back, which I'm sure we'll talk about in one of these questions. Um, but uh, yeah, as much as I don't know if it's more change or maintain, but they have to be, they're a run first team. You know, you can't go into Buffalo in December and throw the ball 35, 40 times and win. You know, they're going to have that's that's the type of game where Zach is not going to throw it that much. And they're going to have to be able to pound that rock away. And we saw it in that Bills game. We definitely saw them do it with AVT and Brees. But the Bills game is the first time we've we've seen it post AVT and Brees injury. And that gives me that gave me a lot of confidence entering the bye. But they have to keep that up um, for Matt, a.k.a. whatever one. How do they replace Sheldon Rankins for the next four to six weeks? Would would prefer them to move JFM inside and give Jermaine Johnson slash Bryce Huff some consistent play on the outside but I could see them just giving Shepard some more playing time and moving smart off the practice squad to back him up. I think you're, you're right. Like I would, I think, I think it'll be a blend. Um, I think they will probably give JFM some more inside reps. Um, and, you know, especially considering that how a great Bryce Huff has been and how Jermaine Johnson's really coming into his own. Um, but I, I would expect like the starting lineup will probably be, I don't know if it'll be Shepard or if it'll be Solomon Thomas, uh, but I do expect them to bring up Tanzel Smart or Jonathan Marshall up and, and they'll play. I think that Saul likes having three big defensive linemen out there and then having that that fourth guy, whether it's Carl Lawson or um, it was Jacob Martin at times, you might see more Bryce Huff out there. Um, but other than that, I think he likes to have the other three defensive linemen be bigger bodies. I think it helps him hold up in, in the run game. Um, and so I, I think they they really like the versatility that JFM gives them. Um, but I, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're much deeper at edge. I mean, you have guys like Michael Clemens just sitting on the bench for a lot, large parts of the game. I mean, he comes in, but if you want to get your best four out there, it probably means moving JFM inside. So I think you're going to see more reps of that, but you know, in terms of their starting first down base defense, I think you're still going to see JFM at edge and, and a lot more of Nathan Shepard, Solomon Thomas. And then, yeah, like a guy like smarter Marshall. What do you think, Michael? 
Uh, I agree with you. I think, you know, ideally I would love to see more JFM inside, but we've continuously asked for that. And it doesn't seem like they're on board with doing that on a full-time basis. And and granted, we, we've seen a lot of him inside, you know, in passing situations, that's where he's at. And it's been working pretty well. So, uh, and the same thing goes for Huff. I mean, I would like to see more of him, but it really seems like they're just completely against the idea of him playing in rushing situations, uh, you know, on rundowns. So uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Yeah, I think it's going to be Nathan Shepard's going to climb up and take that spot. Solomon Thomas is going to play more, and then you're probably going to see um, either Tanzel Smart or Jonathan Marshall come off the practice squad. Um, We might see a little bit more of JFM inside to take some of those vacant snaps. Maybe Shepard doesn't come all the way up to where Rankins was because Rankins was playing, you know, 55, 60% of the snaps. Maybe Shepard doesn't go all the way to that, and some of those go to JFM. But for the most part, I think it's just going to be climbing up the depth chart on the inside um, with Shepard and Thomas, and then someone will come up to, uh, to take that fourth spot. Um, do you, yeah. Do you think the starting line will be uh, Solomon Thomas or Nathan Shepard filling in there? Um, I'll say Thomas. That's why. Yeah, I think, you know, because Thomas is the direct backup to Rankins because he's been playing that left side spot where Rankins is, and then Shepard's been on that right side behind Quinnen. Um, yeah, I've been, I don't know, because Shepard's been playing better. Like, I feel like Shepard the past few weeks is he's been pretty quietly getting a few more pressures than usual, whereas Thomas, I feel like, hasn't done a whole lot. But Thomas is the direct backup, I guess, and he mostly took that spot last game. So, yeah, I would lean towards Thomas, but we'll that, see what happens. It is it is a good point on Shepard, and I'm glad you brought him up because I don't know if he's gotten necessarily the, the amount of love that he deserves in this podcast because we've been very critical of Nathan Shepard here uh, in the history of this pod, but yes. and right, rightfully so. Um, yeah, but I agree. Every time he's out there, he, <laughs> he does look to be pushing. Finally, it looks like he's using those muscles for something because the offensive linemen are getting pushed back. He's creating pressure. You know, I've seen him, um, get in the face of quarterback a few times. I don't know if he necessarily has the, the numbers to back it up in terms of sacks and tackles, but he does seem to be making an impact when he's out there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess no, he's, I guess been, he's been better recently. Like the, there were a couple of plays in this bills game where he just like clubbed someone so hard yeah got right through him like again like did i I send you that one play where he i mean i'm trying to remember the exact play it was but yeah he he looks like he's throwing haymakers out there i mean just like but but getting pushed with it but like fully clubbing uh there there are a few plays where he could have easily had a dominant play but just the ball is out quick so shout out to nathan shepherd he has been better and it is coming at a good time with rankins going out hopefully he can keep that going with more snaps yeah, it was seven seven fifty two in the second. If you watch that Nathan Shepard rep, if you're as as insane as us and you want to go see, he's swinging for the fences on that. Yeah, watch that Nathan Shepard rep. You're probably <laughs> you're probably working out right now. You're at school, you're out on the train or something. Just pause this, pull up the replay of the game, however you have it. Watch Nathan Shepard go to work. Exactly, exactly, Michael. All right, from at Rod C underscore Costa. And by the way, thank you for all these questions. But I don't know if I said it at the start. Start, but we appreciate the fact that. Uh, you guys taking time out of your day to, to write us questions. This is a good one from, uh, I already said it, but what New York Jets player would you choose to go on a night out with and why? Remember, you have to pay the bill at the end of the night. Uh, all right. Thank you, Rodrigo, for the question. It's an interesting one. Michael and I did talk about it a little bit beforehand. I think I gave the best answer, but Michael, I'll, I'll let you give it because I think I think that one works. I have a few of my, uh, in the back of my head, but uh, who did you first think of and then who, yeah. who do you think you're going to go with? Well, I think I'm going to steal the one that you said, uh, because like I was starting to get into it and think, 
then you brought him up and i was like yeah that's probably a guy i'd go with so i'll, I'll just steal him because i think you came up with a good a good answer anyway but i'm gonna go see cj uzama yeah and you know my reasoning <laughs> i think i mean if you've seen any of the social media posts the jets have done about him like there was that one where they showed his locker or he did a locker tour recently that's hilarious i don't know he has a tremendous personality i think he's going to be great in media after he retires but i don't know i feel like he has like some nerdy interests like he likes pokemon and stuff so like which <laughs> i kind of which i like so or used to so like i just feel like big, a big pokemon guy hmm? yeah growing growing up i would say right. so not as much currently but that <laughs> definitely was huge up through probably 10 years old but uh, but yeah okay. just i feel like there's a lot of we yeah we we would have so, sounds like you guys have a lot in common about. yeah I just so. I just wouldn't bring up I just wouldn't bring up that I criticize his contract well yeah we'll, exactly. wait a second we'll discuss that yeah and I also guess... I'm paying for dinner anyway so actually yeah. maybe I should bring it up yeah that's true yeah you just keep passive aggressively bringing up how yeah. much money he's making and how he's overpaid and then yeah, while you, while you're paying for it all right I'll pay twenty bucks for this burger just I mean you're getting paid eight million for ten catches but I'll I'll take it because I'm a good guy. <clears throat> Eight million dollar blocking tight end. <clears throat> um, I'll go. I think I think Dan Feeney's pretty pretty obvious choice as well. I mean, I, you take a look, one look at that that mullet facial hair combo, and you just you just know that's a bro right there. So I think I think Feeney be Feeney's my guy. Pretty sure. I think I'd have a good night with Feeney. Although footing the bill might be kind of a bad decision with Feeney, but it seems like that would be pretty pretty fun night out. Pretty fun night on the town. Great question, Rodrigo. you go. I really, I really have thought about this one a little bit now that we're really getting into it. But I think, uh, I think Feeney and Uzama are two pretty good choices. Well, yeah, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm looking at the roster. I'm just gonna rattle off a couple more. I think might be interesting. Uh, Carl okay. Lawson, I think, would be pretty. Oh, <laughs> Carl Lawson seems pretty cool. Okay. Also, He's if you get if you get in a bar guy. fight, if you get in a bar fight, I mean, yeah. Literally... Although that kind of applies to most of these people. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably right, but you know. <laughs> but Carl Lawson's probably up there. Um. Let's see. Quinn and Williams would be fun. Sauce, maybe. There's some good candidates yeah, on just here. Just named three of the best defensive players, but okay. I was trying to think of guys I'm not unheralded. About the talent. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about the personality. No, Zach, no love for Zach. Mm. Sounds like a pretty good wingman. Yeah, he would be solid. I don't know. I I don't think we know. I don't personally yeah. know enough because you I feel like he's anything. really guarded. I'm just saying, like in terms of what they show. Yeah, because like I feel as a quarterback, he's more guarded than some of these other guys are. So I don't really know his personality as much as some of these other players show. So that's just my thought process. Okay, okay, I respect it. Uh, Elijah, what about about Clemens? Oh, Clemens! Oh, that's the answer. (laughs) Fuck, that's what I should have gone with. If you heard his answers on this interview he did um, with the Jets before the season, they asked him like some of his greatest inspirations or people he looks up to or something he was like rattling off these like philosophers from centuries ago like that, <laughs> when i heard that i was like okay this guy is interesting yeah okay okay clemens is definitely the best pick yeah i don't know how the fuck i forgot about clemens yeah either him or uh elijah no love for for elijah Moore. don't know, hit the uh, town out with elijah i don't know there's a, there's a joke here somewhere i don't know where it is but there's, there's got to be some, there somewhere somewhere i'm not smart will parks how about that Billy Will seems pretty fun, pretty lively. All good answers. I mean, honestly, the, this team does seem pretty cool. I mean, look, we don't know any of these guys. You don't know what any of their personalities are really like, but on the surface, they all seem like pretty cool, close knit uh, group of guys. Uh, one of my one of my friends actually went to um, uh, went to practice Thursday before the Bills game. Like he's uh, interning somewhere, and 
got to go to practice kind of like you, Michael, you know, and, and unfortunately when you went Michael to practice, um, you know, obviously you went with jets X factor, but it was the COVID year. So you weren't allowed to go in the locker room. He went into the locker room and he was telling me like, um, yeah, I mean, they all seem like super close and just, uh, he was like, it was a pretty fun, lively locker room, even though he's just there like asking questions or whatever, but he was giving me some, some inside scoops and stuff. I mean, not, not really anything that interesting, just that they seem like they are pretty close and they're all pretty nice. So there's that, I guess. If that wasn't obvious enough. Um, all right. What was the next one um, from at iPod Ahmad? By the way, this, I mean, this guy's podcast OG right here. I think, I think, uh, I think he's submitted a, a question for a lot of these mailbags. So shout out to the OG listeners. Uh, what do you think Elijah Moore's role looks like in the next eight games? This is fascinating. I think he's going to have uh, a fairly sizable role in the, the second half of the season. No, I, I think it's trending in the right direction and it's kind of been happening quietly. But when you look at the last few weeks sequentially and you compare the way he's been used to the rest of his career, I think it makes sense that it's kind of taken a little bit for him to get to this point where there where he starts to get reworked back into the offense. But, you know, most of his career, he's been playing on the outside every single game prior to the Patriots game. He played at least two thirds of his snaps on the outside. So he misses the Broncos game after the trade request. They bring him back for the Pats. He doesn't play a lot. But in this game, they start to play him in the slot mostly. He played half of his snaps in the slot against the Patriots. So obviously, that was a career high at that point. Then the following game against the Bills, he plays more snaps in this game. Um, still doesn't get targeted in either of these games. But they expanded the role again. He played more snaps. And then it was up to somewhere around 70% in the slot. So, so it's a big adjustment for him. And obviously, he played slot in college. But it's not as simple as slot outside in terms of you know what your role is it's much different offensive scheme so it's different responsibilities and everything so I, I think they've you know the trade request happened and they they let him air it out they sat him for that game and I think they came together and realized he's got to be in the slot but that that's taken a few weeks to sort of transpire and get up to that point where he's fully comfortable to take that on in a full-time uh in a full-time role so They've slowly increased the playing time the last few weeks. And then now I think you have the bye week, just another week for him to master the playbook a little bit more, get used to this role. And I think starting out of the bye, we're really going to see him start to settle in as a starting slot receiver. You got Corey Davis coming back as well. So I think we're really going to start to see them establish that starting trio of Gary Wilson now on the outside. He's assumed that the past couple games, um, taking Elijah Moore's spot, playing that same role and having a lot of success with it, as you and I suggested he would be capable of, Jets are finally catching on to that. So, yeah, I think Gary Wilson is going to be in that role. Corey Davis will be back in his position. And I think Elijah Moore coming out of the bye is going to start to really um, settle into that role as the slot receiver. Yeah, I think that, uh, like you said, when you look at it sequentially from being benched to playing limited snaps to then playing more snaps but not getting the ball – then you got the buy, and now I think you're going to see him a little bit more uh, involved in the offense. I don't think that he's going to, especially the first few games. I think it'll it'll probably take an injury for him to really become the focal point uh, point of the offense, probably. But I think you're going to see the Jets run a little bit more eleven personnel. I think that you're going to see them get more creative with his usage. You know, you see how the the 49ers used Devo Samuel putting him in the backfield. I think you could see something like that for Elijah Moore. I think. On the surface, Barrios is probably better in that type of role. And obviously, Barrios deserves a lot of those types of snaps. But I think you you will see Elijah Moore get some of them because he is legitimately a, a great athlete. 
with good change of direction, great straight line speed. I mean, you see how smooth he is, um, especially in that, that big play he had against Pittsburgh, you know, that cut that he makes and, and like, I think it's the second one. Cause the first, the first play he has, I know he, he lost some yards on, but the second one over the middle that Zach hits him on um, just how fluid that cut is. Uh, and then even like you had know, the end around against the Patriots for a touchdown last year. Like we haven't really seen him in open field that much with the ball in his hands, but he is incredibly shifty um, Garrett more twitchy for sure. Um, but I still think Elijah Moore has a role um, as a slot receiver and can do some of the gadget stuff that maybe you would give to Barrios. Um, I just think that they're going to have to, really write up a role for him, create a role for him. You know, um, when you lose as big of a playmaker as Brees Hall, you have to find that production somewhere. Obviously you're still going to be a run first offense. You're leaning a lot into your 12 personnel, which is great. Um, you have guys like Garrett and Corey, but I think Elijah Moore is too talented to just kind of be a cog in the machine. I think you have to give him a few plays a game where you do force feed the ball to him. And so I think, I think you'll see some creativity with him in the backfield or him getting some jet motions and, really taking advantage of that, the full array of, of what a slot receiver in this offense is. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up like the fact that we haven't really seen him in the slot that much, like despite the fact that he came in as a slot receiver and at Ole Miss, he was a slot receiver. We knew that he had the flexibility to play outside, but so far in New York, that's all he's really done. He's had limited time in the slot. His, his rookie year, it's like you already had Jameson Crowder and you had Braxton Berrios and Cole was getting slot reps this year. It's still crowded, but I think it makes sense for him to really, um, get a, get a, a full look there. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think they'll, you know, you don't want to cut too much into Barrios. Uh, and I think Barrios definitely deserves a role, but do you think they'll get a little bit more creative with using Elijah on some of those, those gadget stuff? Yeah, I, I think they will for sure. But at the same time, I think a lot of it will be just kind of utilizing his short area quickness as a route runner, because you no, know, I think he can add a lot of value in that area, just quick slants, um, just stop routes, finding right. finding holes in the zone. Even just if he's running into the flat as a safety blanket, he's a guy who, because I think slot really serves him well because it, from a catching perspective, I think what he does best is consistency on balls he's supposed to catch more so than being able to make those difficult catches. You know, because like when he's outside and you're throwing him contested balls down the field, that's not really where he thrives. He's not going to make as many of those plays as other receivers will. But he also pretty much never drops easy passes. Like, like I can't remember a pass in his career that he really dropped. Obviously, there was the Panthers one in the first game, but that that applies as what I just said is, you know, going down the field, tough catch. But just easy catch underneath where the ball's right to him, he pretty much never drops that. So I think that serves a slot role really well. And, you know, another thing is, when Garrett Wilson was playing in the slot, what what is one thing that he struggled with? It was finding the sticks and being able to, you know, have the right depth on his routes to be able to yeah. move the chains. And I think that's another thing Elijah Moore has not really shown to be an issue in his career. So I think just in, in addition to feeding him the ball, I think he's going to be a useful and productive player in terms of slot routes and what you need a slot receiver to be able to do, which is, you know, make those easy catches underneath when you have to make them, but also make the tough catches over the middle, which is another thing I think he could do well, because again, vertical stuff contested, not so much, but like if there's a contested catch, a contested catch situation where he's horizontal, like in breaking and has to take contact while he's making the catch that I think he can do. Like there were some catches last year. There's one against the Eagles, I think where he got hit really hard and um, was able to say making that catch. There's one against the Bengals. I remember those catches I think he can make, just tough catches over the middle. So I really think he has Look, the, 
bona fide slot skill set. And we'll see yeah. it in, in a lot of ways. And especially, hey, if you want to get a quick, quick game, quick passing game offense going, having a, a slot receiver like him is is a big deal. Um, so I, I definitely think he, he's going to play a role. Do you think that part of the reason that he requested the trade, I was thinking about this. Um, do you think that they had decided to not necessarily bench him, but move him uh, back inside? And that's why he requested the trade. Meaning like he, I felt maybe he felt like he was promised one thing when he was drafted. And then throughout the off season that he's this team's X receiver. And then they drafted Garrett and he's like, okay, Garrett's going to replace Corey Davis. Um, but then that week, do you think that they maybe were like, because obviously it's, it's what ended up happening saying, Hey, you know, what? actually Garrett's going to replace you. We're going to keep Corey Davis uh, at the Z because of his run blocking and his chemistry with Zach. Uh, and you're going to move into a, as the starting slot receiver in a primarily 12 personnel offense. And do you think that's what kind of set him off in the sense that he felt he was promised one thing. And then now he's the slot receiver in a 12 personnel offense and he won't be getting the ball as much. Cause it seems like, okay, he requested the trade and the jets made this switch, but the, the trade request was too strange to have come out of nowhere that it does kind of explain maybe why it happened. I don't know. It's all speculation, but I was thinking about yeah, that. I was like, it's possible, but it's also possible. He's literally just not happy with how many targets he gets. As I, don't, simple as that. Say, I don't know. Yeah. Both are possible. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I think that, him being the slot receiver, I still think they can find him a role and have him make an impact. Um, but it probably takes an injury, maybe not even at wide receiver, maybe a tight end injury um, for him to really be, you know, a strong focal point of the offense. I think he's probably, you know, looking more at like three catches, four catches a game, maybe a touchdown, as opposed to Garrett Wilson, who I think is going to get, you know, like 10 targets a game. Um, all right. At Cameron 1151. What is the uni combo we haven't seen yet? Um, normally, I if I was smart, I would have moved this. I think there's actually no, I, I lumped them together, but I didn't move them to the, the end. Normally, we do the uniform stuff at the end of the pod, but we're gonna keep it quick on this one. Uh, we haven't seen anything with yeah, the black tops. Green on black, we gotta see. We don't have to green on black. We want to see black jerseys. He said, which one haven't we seen yet? So that yeah, black jerseys, seen. green pants, or black jerseys, white pants. I think that's what they do if if they face a team. That is, says, you know what? The Jets keep winning on on white on black. They clearly don't like their green jerseys. Let's wear white at home because the Jets have already outlined which games are going to wear the black helmet. They could still wear the green helmet, but they could. Can't they wear the black jerseys with the green helmet? And that doesn't count as one Should of the. Should be allowed, right? There's right. no restriction and, on the alternate jersey. It's just the the well, helmet, right? Is it? Well, the rule initially, I think, was with the jerseys. Like you could wear your alternate jerseys only three times. But I think with the helmet, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass here, but I think that they could wear a green helmet, black jersey, and then go like white pants or something, which could be kind of a cool look. Um, I don't know. But we, yeah, we haven't seen anything, any variations of of the the black and green really yet. I think there is a three-time limit based on my Google research in the past five seconds. Specifically with the jerseys, not with if you wear your base helmet, you can? Yeah, I think so. Well, all right, never mind then. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, go green on could... black to avoid... Just get the black pants in there. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, I don't honestly. You I want to see wanna, green on black. I think it would be cool. I want to see. And here's the other uniform question for Matt Meister Werder. He said, uh, "Who decides which uniform combo the team wears each week?" I know combos are predetermined, but who makes that call? I think it's the coach. It is the head coach, right? I think it's the coach. I, mean, I know I we've think, heard like, didn't Rex have a preference? Devito, when he when Devito came onto our podcast, he said that uh, Rex 
really liked the white on white right. Super Bowl look. And so that's yeah. why they were wearing it all the time during that era. And then he said he hated that because, you know, as a big guy, the white on white isn't always yeah. a, a great look. All right, this next one, and I apologize if I butcher your name from at, what is that? Uh, Vitamin J. I don't know. Is it Oscar Rhodes? Find him on Twitter. Uh, do we see Robinson take over the third down back role from Ty Johnson? Will Zonovan Knight make an appearance? I think Zonovan Knight is a very interesting name to watch. Uh, I do have this sneaking suspicion that we might see him at some point uh, down the stretch here um, because I do think that he brings that home run hitting element that none of these other Jets backs bring. And because of that, I think it makes him more appealing to me than a guy like Ty Johnson. Like if, if Robinson were to go down or if, or if Michael Carter were to go down, I'd rather see Zonovan Knight get uh, more reps. And you see this with, an, I mean, look, this offense comes from San Francisco. And what do we see from the 49ers year in and year out? Bunch of no name running backs making plays every year, just a cycle every year, like three, four guys. Um, um, and I think Zonovan Knight kind of fits that mold. I mean, this offense, you find those outside zone, outside zone style runners, guys who have traits that you like, um, that you feel like they can make that that one cut and get upfield. And I think Zonovan Knight has that. He's been in the system the entire summer. Uh, he's on the active roster, right? He's he's not even on the practice squad anymore. I believe he's he's on the 53. So yeah. Um, I think that it would probably take an injury or a Ty Johnson demotion, but I think uh, Ty Johnson plays a lot of special teams, right? Yeah, he is featured on special. Yeah, teams. so I think that's probably why. But if if there's an injury or if if they really like how Knight is playing in practice and they want to demote Ty Johnson, I think I think you could definitely see a Zonovan Knight appearance. In terms of the first part of that question, uh, yeah, I think you've kind of already seen that. I mean, I know Ty Johnson still gets some reps, and I. I mean, they like the rotation. They'll probably give him some of it, but I think Robinson is a significantly better pass blocker. And so I think that, that he's probably their third down back. Although, I mean, look, you'll see Michael Carter in some situations. Like I think Robinson's great and uh, he's great for third downs because he's great in short yardage and he's a great pass blocker. So you got like a third and two, you know, you're confident that you could give that halfback drop the middle and that Robinson's going to find that the, the first down line or that he can protect Zach and give him enough time. Um, but if you're third and a little bit longer, and you're running like a screen or something, or you know, a, a, a where you'd want your running back to run a route. Maybe you'd go with with Michael Carter. I think Robinson brings you could bring you everything you want in a third down back. Just if you want a little bit more speed on the field, maybe you go with Michael Carter or Ty Johnson. But um, I think the, the most important thing for me in a third down back is is blocking, and Robinson has that. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I agree, and that basically is exactly what they did last week because when when Johnson played, it was longer distance third downs you know looking at his reps here he had third and eight third and nine third and seven third and 14 uh, then when robinson played those uh, third down situations it was short yards he played a uh, third and one in which he got the carry then he stayed out there for fourth and one and he had a third and two and he had a, another third and two later and then even second down and first down when he's in there you look at some of the to-go distances on these second and three second and five second and four verse and seven so um or that's first and goal from the seven when he caught that touchdown actually um so yeah they're they really were using robinson as that more short yardage guy whereas you know carter's leading the pack and then johnson gets some of these third down reps uh which which i guess it makes sense to have a third guy who can just give some rest to your other two players um don't really get the fascination with ty johnson that much but, uh, but yeah, that, it seems like that's what they're going to do. But but I agree with you in terms of uh, Zonovan Knight and seeing if maybe he'll get a chance eventually because the Jets did lose that home run hitting 
element with Brees Hall. It's not something that is going to be replicated with Michael Carter or Robinson or Ty Johnson. And whereas Zonovan Knight might be able to do that. And that's not to say it's so easy to replicate what Brees Hall could do or else he wouldn't be a high second round pick or they traded up for, but uh, to at least have the, the threat of that, maybe even to just get one or two of those type of runs is something that makes him intriguing. So we'll see if that transpires at some point. All right, for Matt Silent, I'm going to give this one to you uh, right off the bat. For Matt Silent, Mike, 03, how much of Quinnen being dominant this year can we attribute to lo- having Lawson back in an elite cornerback duo? Yeah, I think I think there's part of it, but I really think he's just playing better, you know, just that simply, because it it doesn't feel as if he's just getting more sacks because sometimes he has a little extra time or sometimes Lawson's creating pressure and he cleans it up. It, he's getting more legitimate sacks just completely on his own. And the same thing applies for even the non-sack plays when he's getting a pressure, he's getting a hit or if he's stuffing a run or he's creating things for other people. Uh, Cause in a lot of ways, I think he might actually be helping those two groups more than they're helping him. I mean, you look at some of the run stuffs that he's opened up for his teammates, um, the double teams he's commanded to create one-on-ones for other people. And then, you know, the number of big plays by the secondary that were teed up by good pressure that Quinton was a part of. So I don't know. I think it partially helps. And and that's really the great thing about this defense is that you have all these positive things complementing one another, working off of each other all at the same time. Everyone's really complimenting one another. So there's an aspect of that to this, but I also think he's just breaking out, you know. He looks more athletic. I think he's in his the best shape that we've seen him yeah, in. He's, he's much better conditioned. He's creating more push with his moves. He's getting off the ball quicker. He really, truly does seem to be as healthy and well-conditioned as ever. And then he's also just kind of putting it all together technically. He just wins so consistently. So I think it's mostly him, but there also is an aspect of everything kind of working together. Yeah, physically, he does look a lot uh, bigger and more toned he looks yeah uh yeah i think he's i think one of the things you could you, you have to attribute his season to is the fact that he's health was healthy in the off season um which i don't know if he's been healthy when you go back through his different off season he definitely wasn't healthy last year first year installing the solid system he missed all of mini camp i think he even missed part of training camp too right um because yeah. he hurt his foot i think was it was a i don't know it was it a broken foot i kind of forget um uh, but i know he missed the entire summer adding into 2021 and then played in training camp and then was, was ready to go. And I think he, you know, he had some moments and where you could give some credence to this question is yeah. Like a lot of him winning does come from the coverage downfield, you know, like, like he still wins his reps, but it does kind of take the quarterback to have to hitch or to kind of get off that first read for him to be able to close, especially as a defensive tackle. Like you need your corners to hold up. Otherwise you'll see what happened last year where he would have wins. He would have dominant reps, but if the quarterback's getting the ball out of his hands, it, it doesn't really show up in the stat sheet and people forget about it. Quinn Williams has been a fantastic player since 2020. You, you could be legitimately concerned about him a little bit in 2019, but people have to remember that he was a one-year wonder basically at Alabama and an incredible season at Alabama. Um, but it was really his only year and then go straight into the NFL. Um, and, you know, rookie defensive linemen tend to take a little bit longer to develop. I mean, it's just such a different, it's so different than any part of the game that trench warfare down there. I mean, it's, it's essentially a martial art in its own. Um, so he has to learn that 
uh, refine his, his tools, change his body. I mean, you look at his body composition, it's, he's looked different in every single year. Um, and this year, he definitely looks like the strongest, best version of himself. And so you're seeing him knock guys back with his bull rush or knock guys back with one arm a lot more consistently than you saw uh, when he was a little younger in his career. And then, like you said, like he's refined some of the things technically uh, and he's put himself in better shape. So he's lasting longer. And then that coupled with, yeah, he has other dogs in that defensive line to take some pressure off of him. And he has the corners uh, to hold up behind him. So that all has culminated in an all pro season for Quinn. But regardless, you take away the corners, you take away um, the other dogs in the, in the defensive line. Is he having quite as good of a statistical season? No. But you you would still be able to watch him on film and be like, holy shit, right. this guy's such a dog. 100%. Yeah. Um, okay. From at R basing the weight again. I'm, I apologize. Um, in your opinion, will Jamie and Sherwood be able to take a larger role in the linebacking core next year, or is this a position that'll have to be filled early in the draft? I think it's too early to say. And I think there's a few future questions coming up here. Um, I, you know, look, they they clearly liked him. They took him. I think he was either first day three pick of 2021. They took him ahead of Michael Carter the second, right? And Brandon Eccles. Yeah, and... of the defensive players. Yeah, it yeah. Was Carter, then Sherwood. Right. So he was, sorry, I forgot. Yeah, Carter was day three. But of the defensive guys, he was the first guy they took. I think they liked his athletic profile. When you look at uh, Edmonds in Buffalo, and and Sala calls these guys, I think he called him an avatar, <laughs> just in terms of like a complete physical freak in terms of his length and his his athleticism. And I think that's what they thought they were getting in Jamie and Sherwood. Um he the torn Achilles probably slowed him down a little bit, but I I still like his athletic profile. Those those long arms are take up so much space and clearly help in tackling. Uh, and I thought you know I thought he filled in admirably for a little bit there when CJ Mosley went out. I know he I know he didn't. I think he had one negative play on that Allen scramble. But outside of that, you know, it's too early to tell. We haven't really seen enough of him to say one way or the other. I like his profile, but and he is the type of guy where when you talk about winning organizations being able to um, you know, replace overpaid vets or just, you know, just have a, a, a day three guy that you, you uh, develop and you grow. And then by year three or year four, he's a starter and he's playing well. And then you either resign him or let him go and you get the comp pick like that whole cycle that the jets have just completely missed out on from bad drafting the last decade. Um, he does seem like the, t- the perfect type of player to, okay, CJ Mosley's getting old. We are grooming his replacement right here. You know, at the year after next year, you let Mosley walk and then sure with your starter, maybe, but um I think, I think Mosley, Mosley's back next year, regardless, right? Because of the contract, right? Yeah. So Mosley's going to be here. I think Sherwood will probably be his backup. They, depending on Quan or Quincy, like uh, maybe they let Quan go. I, I think they, they'll try to add to the linebacker uh, unit a little bit, but it's too early to tell on Jamie and Sherwood. But I, I haven't seen anything from him that would make me say, no way. Um, it is funny, though, the, the better you get, though, you're, you know, your standard increases. And so, I don't know if I, if, if you gun to my head, if I had to make that decision, I don't know if I'd want to trust a, a, you know, a day three rookie as a starting linebacker immediately. Like, I don't know, but if this was two years ago and you're just trying to watch your guys develop, all right, sure. Let's go ahead and, and roll out all these rookies. And these no, that's, guys. A, that's a good point. Definitely changes it when, you know, you're winning games and you just sign Quan Alexander and he comes yeah. right in and <laughs> plays really well. You're like, why did we spend all these years just hoping and praying with these you know, lottery bless, picks. Bless Austin and Blake Cashman. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, obviously, yeah, you have to go through that to get to this point in the first place because some of those did work out and that's why the Jets are here. But yeah, yeah right huge, now it seems huge like part. The, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think Sherwood's really shown me anything yet to feel like he 
deserves that, but I mean, he'll still be around and we'll see what holes the Jets have to fill here. You know, maybe they restructure Mosley or find a way to get rid of him. I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of him next year, but you know, and then there's the other guys, Quan, Quincy, see what happens with them. So yeah. they might have a hole and Jerwood will still be here and he'll get a chance to compete. So we'll see what happens. But to this point, I can't say he's shown me anything that, and it, most of it's because he hasn't really played, but yeah, sure. Really showed, showed enough to feel like that's going to happen. He is, he does have a great athletic profile though. And then you think the fact that he played safety, his coverage should be better than average, but we haven't really seen it. I'd like to see him in coverage. I'd like to see that lateral quickness. Um, but physically, I mean, you pretty much couldn't build a better linebacker. So we'll see. Um, from at Gad Game Time, normally this time of year, we're talking about the draft in a negative way, saying they need two of everything. With how JD built this team, I don't think that's the case next year. What do you think we target next year for the draft and for agency? And I think we also got another one. Let me, we got uh, from at Andre Morton picks, since we won't be talking 2023 until after the postseason, hopefully. What positions players do you think the Jets go after in free agency slash the draft? All right, Andre, I don't know if we're going to go into specific players. The Jets are winning football. I have not, I don't even yeah. know who's a free agent next year. But by this point, in most years, we know the whole free agent class, whole draft class. We'd be on Tankathon, refreshing that. Oh, yeah. Making sure the Jets could be up top. But how many, right how now, many, I haven't even looked at any of those websites. Yeah. How many drafted or like draft eligible players you think you could name? Maybe not draft eligible. Zero. Like if you had to predict like the top Bryce 10. Young. Yeah. CJ Stroud. That's it. You know, the quarterbacks and like a, a few guys you might see on a Saturday. But yeah, at this point last year, we'd already have a big board and <laughs> be watching guys. I already know like the offensive tackles. Yeah. At this point last year, I already knew who Sauce Gardner was. And I was, I mean, I yeah. guess a lot of, a lot of people did. It's not like that was unique, but um, yeah, we don't even, I don't even care. I don't care about Saturday football at all this year. Um, no, and but- another big reason why I don't think, you know, aside from the fact that it's just, it's not fun to talk about when you're actually winning. Um, in addition to that, another reason I think it's, not really the greatest time to talk about it is there's still a whole eight games left it's not the book isn't closed on any of these players on the team what they've produced this year so you can't just say this guy's good we got to replace him or this guy's good he's gonna stick around or this guy's bad we got to replace him there's half the season left you know if um Lakin Tomlinson the next eight games not that he's gonna go anywhere because his contract but just as an example if he the next eight games is exactly who he, he was supposed to be, then which is completely possible because players have hot streaks and cold streaks, then you know the narrative is completely different on what the Jets need to do. I think okay, with him I, and at guard. So I just yeah. think there's there's a whole lot of season left for the players to establish right. the narrative of what they produce right. this season. Exactly. However, we we kind of know where they're locked in. Like Jordan Whitehead is not going anywhere. I think the cornerback room is going to look the same next year. The defensive line room is pretty much built and constructed to be here next year so i don't think you're going to see too much movement there um i think i mean free safety with joiner i think that's definitely a spot they'll upgrade next year linebacker it's too early to tell like you said but it, you know what they'll do with quincy and Quan, but mosey will be here and then on the offensive side of the ball i think offensive line you're going to see a, a big investment in um especially through the draft like i think We'll see what, the, like you said, like how Connor McGovern plays over this next eight games definitely determines if he's back or not next year. The tackle situation, I think there's another. Is it the? It's the next question. Okay, well there we are. Uh, which is from at Jack underscore Nadal too. Who's your right tackle for the remainder of the season? Keep up way he enroll with the. Oh wait, my bad. There's there's one in the future, which is what should they do at the? Oh here it is from at. All right, we're coming back to you. 
But from at one Foster Foster, what would your plan be for tackle next year? Is Makai, Max, Dwayne, AVT enough as the core? Or do you bring back Fant and or look at other options in draft free agency? Um, you know, I, I think that is too early to tell, like you said. Um, but if if Max Mitchell over the next eight games plays incredibly well, maybe you're penciling him in as a guy who can start. I think the positional flexibility that AVT gives you, um, you know, allows you to maybe uh not not necessarily pencil in Makai Becton as a, as a starter but at least kind of try to keep him into your in your plans because you know if you have a guy like AVT and, and Herbig's playing really well maybe you can try to be like all right our ideal offensive line would be Becton at right tackle AVT at right guard but if Becton gets injured we have a guy like AVT we can bounce out there I don't know it's too early to say but I think you'll see a heavy investment at, at offensive line and I think you'll see them um, at a safety and then you know might see some tweaks at the skill positions or whatever but this team is is pretty intact and, and should be that way um, next season all right n- enough of the future questions there was a few of them but like you said we got to keep a focus on this year um, all right from at jack underscore to doubt Wait, two, are we going to talk about rest of the season for right tackle that's what i'm doing right now who's your right tackle oh, for oh, okay. of the season? Okay, I, accidentally... I, got, I got lost there those yeah questions. i know me too i accidentally read this one all right who's your right continue. tackle for the remainder of the season keep a boy he enrolled at the current chemistry Fanted is hated right tackle position or develop Mitchell. Thanks guys. Hashtag shoot McDermott to the moon. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I think. So I guess he's not going to be the guy we're going to hang out with either. Yeah. McD- oh God. Yeah. I know. I hate it. They, they cut to McDermott too. when they won. Did you see that? When, I think, I don't know if the game would. Was I, I kind of remember that. Yeah. Like I was like, why are we seeing Connor McDermott right now? He's like the one guy that I, all right, whatever. Uh, I think it's going to be fan. I think that's what it'll do. Um, I have a few reasons for this. I'm curious. I have a buyer silence. I think well, before you get into it, I just think quickly, isn't Mitchell going to come back first? Cause they Salah said today that Mitchell's coming back to practice, but Fant is not oh. coming back to practice this week. I did not see that. Thank you for the correction. Then that, that changes things. Then I think it'll be Mitchell. I thought I was going to go with Fant because look, this is a guy who was a team captain in 2020, different coaching staff, but you know, he's a veteran respected in that locker room played his ass off last year and had a really good season and then has been injured for most of training camp. He got injured at the end of last year. It hasn't, doesn't sound like he's maybe fully recovered and then got injured this year. Um, So I was hoping that maybe if he was healthy, they put him out there. I also think that while Mitchell's the better run blocker, Fant is definitely the better pass blocker and they want to protect Zach. Um, So for all those reasons, and just the fact that Fant is a veteran, and Mitchell's a fourth round pick, you get the luxury of putting fan out there first. And if he's struggling, you can put Mitchell in there. Um, so I was going to say play him there, but maybe you're right. Maybe they go, uh, well, you are right. If, if, if Mitchell's ready first, then it'll be Mitchell at right tackle. Then the question becomes, and I think I already know the answer to this, but let's say Mitchell comes back at right tackle. He does. Okay. Would you, and fan fan gets healthy. Do you consider swapping fan in for Dwayne Brown? Because fan was supposed to be your left tackle. Brown was bought, brought in as the backup, and then, you know, injuries happened. But actually, that's not true. They brought in Fant for the – sorry, they brought in Brown for the visit to be the swing tackle, but they didn't sign him until Beckton went down, and then he was going to be the starting left tackle. So right. I don't know. I don't. What What do you think they do with, uh, with the right tackle situation? And specifically George Fant. He's the one who really fascinates me. Oh, I mean, if Mitchell's going to come back first, I think he's going to take that right tackle spot because, you know, the way he's just – basically brought off the street as the last resort off uh, option. Yeah. So I think, and you know, Mitchell before he went out was playing pretty well, I think relative to expectations, you know, 
I don't think he was above average yet for a starter, just without the rookie curve. But, but like we discussed while he was playing, it was much better than you expected. And I think probably better than what way he is right now. And, and to be fair, he was doing some work in the Bills game. He was definitely a big part of that performance, which, which I think is just a testament to John, ben, John Benton, the offensive line coach, and really just the team as a whole for them to be able to pull together and just get this offensive line production despite all these, you know, this makeshift unit, all these guys coming together with all the injuries and everything. So credit to them. But I do think Mitchell's probably an upgrade over Igbehi, and he's also a potential part of the future. So I do think if he's healthy, and he was starting anyway before he went out. So I do think when he's healthy, he's going to come back. But then if Fant comes back after that, which, you know, seems like that's where we're headed, that's going going to be a few weeks after Mitchell. Uh, then, then it gets really interesting. Do you bench Dwayne Brown and put Fant back at left tackle because uh, you're paying Brown a decent bit of money? Um, do you put Fant back at right tackle so you keep Brown in the lineup? They have some very interesting decisions to make. But at the same time, I think, um, because let's see what happens in this Patriots game. I'm assuming Mitchell's not going to play in this game if he's just coming back to practice this week. Um, and maybe he does, but we'll see what happens. But if he doesn't, and you have another good game with this lineup, even with with Ogbehi in there. You know, maybe maybe you stick with that if that's what if that is what is working. So uh, I don't know. This they have a lot of decisions to make here. We'll see what they do. But uh, fans' health health is a big part of it because we know the fan they had at the beginning beginning of the year is not even close to the player he was last year. He clearly wasn't healthy. So giving him some time off is the right thing. But we'll see even after these few weeks. Is he back to that point, you know, even now? So we'll see what happens. I do think it's likely Mitchell takes that spot back once he's ready to play. But at the same time, let's let's see what they do this week if Mitchell doesn't play. Because, again, I got to give Agwehi some credit. He did play a pretty sizable role in that rushing attack last week. Yeah, I think he's definitely a guy that you want to keep around. For sure. Like, he yeah. looks great. As, even if he's just a, a long-term depth option, you need depth at the offensive line every year. Like more guys will go out. Having a guy like a way around is huge. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think you're probably right. I think they're going to go with put in Mitchell. I don't think they want to make too many changes. The offensive line has been a revolving door and so much of, of O-line play comes down to chemistry. And so I don't think they're going to pull Dwayne Brown unless he's really struggling um, because you know, that affects Lakin. I think you want Lakin to be, uh, settled. I think Brown's had some good moments. He's gotten beat on some other times, but overall I've, I've been okay with the, with the way he's played. Um, so I think just putting a Mitchell and, and if he's playing well, then I think Fant just sits on the bench until there's an injury. Um, but that's, that's a good, I, I good catch on that because I, I did not see that news about Fant. I am curious to see if he does come back because it does the, the, the injury situation with him is getting a little weird now, but we'll see. Did Saul give it a timeline at all? Did he say he's, he's just not, not back yet? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, I just said he's not back. He had a. Didn't he have a quote a few weeks ago that was a little weird that you, you pointed out to me? Or like, I just keep it. Didn't he say like if he comes back or he would like yeah. committal on him? I don't know. It's not headed down a good road with Fant. Let's just be yeah. honest. I don't know. I don't think Fant is back uh, unless he comes back and then plays really well the, the last few games of the year. Then maybe they they work something out. But I think a lot. They have a lot of tackles they they need guys who can stay in the field but brown is locked in for next year if i'm not mistaken they have beckton i know yep. you can't rely on him abt has tackle flexibility and maybe maybe he's a guy that you want to keep out of tackle because he's so damn good 
I mean, I'll throw a boy in there as well. So I don't know. I don't think fan comes back. I think you'll, they'll probably bring in somebody else, um, but we'll see. All right. From that Ben Thornhill, one nine nine Did the jets make a mistake. Uh, not trying to get Marcus made. They looked at a safety in the off season. No, they did not make a mistake, especially when you look at what Marcus may got paid. Um, he, didn't he also get arrested too? Yeah. At one point. So no, they didn't make a mistake at all. Although I do feel for him a little bit because he was here during some of the most brutal years <laughs> and has been an absolute champ about it. And then including last year when he popped his Achilles against the Colts. Um, so I do feel a little bit bad for, for Marcus May. And now he's with New Orleans. And of course, he's on a, I, I was watching, you know what, you know what I took away from, from the bye week on Sunday was watching all these former Jets. And I, actually, a lot of them made plays. I mean, like you saw Lawrence Cager touchdown and uh, I think Jason Pinnock had a sack and Jacob Martin was going off. But the OG former Jets like Keelan Cole and Marcus May. And I'm trying to there was a few other ones. Um, but I was like, damn, must be. Must suck to be those guys, especially the guys that were here last year and now are on another team and on maybe a bad team like both Keelan and Marcus Mayer on. And finally, the Jets turn it around. They're not there. I mean, fully fought a Kossi in Jacksonville. Um, I don't know. So random sidebar. But I no, they didn't make a mistake not trying to uh, bring back Marcus May. I think Joyner has his flaws and will, you know, has cost him a few times and we'll see how he performs down the end of the year. I think they will definitely look to upgrade that position. They seem to be pretty high on Tony Adams. Doesn't seem like, I mean, you can't pencil that guy in for anything, but we'll keep an eye on him. I mean, I think Ashton Davis has had some moments. Will Parks, like their safety unit as a whole is actually not too bad, but they definitely need a better starter to pair with Whitehead. If they, you know, maybe, maybe not definitely, but I, I would like to see a better starter paired with Whitehead or, or maybe a guy that I'm more confident in. Um, what do you think about the, what do you, what do you think about the safety spots this year? Maybe the, the job that Joyner's done. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I agree on May. I don't think there was a mistake there considering the whole DUI situation with him. Uh, he's not that durable, and just the contract he got was not, I think, ideal for the Jets and what they were looking to do. So I think they were fine with that. Obviously, that's not to say Joyner's better than him, but just considering all that. Um, but the safe, the way the safety position has played out is is really interesting because – it still is the weakest part of this defense on paper, but it just doesn't feel like it's crushed the Jets as much as you expected it would, especially after the first few games. You know, the Ravens game, they were clearly the weakest link of the defense. I mean, it was pretty much all of them, the points they gave up. Um, and then the Browns game wasn't much better. The Bengals game wasn't much better. So through three games, it was pretty ugly. But since then, they've kind of settled down and, I wouldn't say they've been good because there are still been mistakes here and there. Um, you know, Joyner's had plays where he's gotten a little lucky when he's been beat. Whitehead's missed some tackles. Um, you look at the Patriots game when Ramondre Stevenson was running crazy. A lot of those big runs were missed tackles by Joyner and Whitehead. So I think it's still a weakness. It's still probably a below average duo, but they've managed for the sake of this team right now, they've managed to be just good enough to their capability for them to stay afloat and I think for right now the next few weeks that's that's what you need just keep the big mistakes to as much of a minimum as you can and then they've both occasionally contributed a big play where the Jets needed it although I would have loved for Whitehead to catch that second interception against the Bills but we'll give him some slack because he got the first one although that was very easy but I think they've done enough the past few weeks so we'll see what happens Next year, I think free safety, you definitely look to make a big improvement there. I think that'll be one of the prime positions to improve. Um, and Whitehead, we'll, we'll see how he finishes out this season, but I think there's a good chance 
he's back too. I know we said we're not going to talk about the future. Now here we are doing it, but <laughs> but but yeah, looking at this team, just the way they performed this year, I think the last you know starting with the Steelers game when they had that combined very good performance. From that point on, I think they've again not necessarily been good, but they've been good enough considering what the Jets have elsewhere for the Jets to still be an elite defense over that span. All right, from that Bastion Hibon again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Hi, Bon. What do you think this one? You're looking at the doc, Mike. What do you, what, ba- it's definitely Bastion. I'm just hanging you out to dry on all okay. these. <laughs> H-I-B-O-N. Bastion Hibon. Hi, Bon. Hi, Bon. I don't know. Hi, Bon. Hi, Bon. Culture has now changed. So apart from gaining experience as they are a young team and QB progress as Zach still needs to play better, what are the key areas the Jets need to improve to anchor themselves as a top-tier team that is here to stay and compete year after year? Um, well, okay. So aside, what did you say? So apart from gaining experience and QB progress, so that knocks out two pretty obvious ones, I would say, especially quarterback. I mean, like that really is team that does seem to be the common denominator of, of teams that are year in and year out consistently good, but look at the 49ers. I mean, uh, what are the big, when you look at the 49ers and the jets, what are the biggest differences? I think, um the offensive line and just the not even just the offensive line but the whole blocking unit is a big part of it um and i think the jets have some good things going there obviously injuries have hurt that quite a bit this season but you know they're they're establishing that identity in terms of the blocking even with what Corey davis can do having the two tight ends they have um so i think they've they're making some progress there and then on an overall level with this question i think you look at the defense too and i think a big part of being a consistent contender year over year is having core franchise players you can rely on. And defensively, they're they now have a couple of those in Quinn Williams and Sauce Gardner, in addition to various other solid players who you hopefully have for years to come. Um, but it all starts with those franchise players, I think. And with Sauce Gardner and Quinn, uh, Quinn Williams, they now have two, you know, top of the line players who you can really build your whole scheme, your whole identity around and find players who complement them and feel good about adding players who can benefit from what those guys do. So I think those are, those are the big things. And you mentioned the Niners. That's a big part of why the Niners are consistently successful is they found some franchise players, you know, over the past few years and George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams on defense, they've Fred Warner, uh, they've Nick Boza. They've franchise guys you could rely on every year. You can plug the rest of the holes, but you can rely on those two guys every single year to be top of the line players and the jets are starting to get some of those and you look offensively Garrett Wilson can be that for you and hopefully Brees Hall can come back healthy and be the same thing so I think franchise players are the biggest key in addition in addition to the two things the question mentions here you know quarterback obviously essential and then just overall culture and experience those things of course are important too for sustained winning but you need franchise players and the jets over the over this playoff drought They've had very good players. You know, you go from the Muhammad Wilkerson's, Sheldon Richardson, Jamal Adams. Um, they've had some decent receivers and running backs, but they never had franchise players. Maybe Jamal Adams flirted with it a little bit. But other than that, they never really had those superstar players who who people around sports Twitter are hating on, even if they're not Jets fans. Those are the type of players you need. Players, players who people talk about, even if... <laughs> There, there's no reason for them to talk about them. That's who you need, and the Jets have some of them now. 
Yeah. And, and kind of relating to what you're saying, but I was just thinking about it in terms of, of this question. The thing that the biggest difference between this year's team and, you know, just the last decade really is coaching, obviously. And there's a lot of different layers to that, but in terms of their game plans and not just their game plans, but their in-game adjustments this year and halftime adjustments this year. Um, we got a tweet about this. So I feel like I should shout out whoever tweeted us to, to talk about this, but it's, it was a great point to bring up. It's the fact that, yeah, the, okay. All the fourth quarter talk and, and you can attribute that to their mentality and, and their rotation and um, a bunch of other different things, but the actual coaching adjustments that they've made um, has been flawless, especially from, from uh, LaFleur. I feel like he's done a great job of setting things up in the first half and then working off it in the second half. And that was something we talked about a lot when we were uh, looking at a bunch of different head coaching candidates two years ago on this podcast. And we talked about how like, when you watch Kyle Shanahan offense, yeah, like a lot of what you see in that first half, yeah, okay, they might score a touchdown on the drive or might have positive plays, but a lot of it is to set up what they're going to do later. And it just almost seems like he's playing like 40 chess in a way where it was like when Adam Gase, it was like, okay, he can put together that one good drive. But when the defense makes the adjustment, he flips the whole chessboard. He has no idea what to do. He just keeps trying to do the same thing that he did at the start of the game. And you see the jits in their coaching and their ability to, um, not just uh, make in-game adjustments, but to adjust on a weekly basis, depending on who gets injured. Um, and so when you were talking about the offensive line, I was just thinking about the job that that Benton has done this season in terms of like, yeah, okay, they've gotten good performances from McBwayhe and Herbig, but there's a lot of offensive line play that is schematically. You know, when you set up a run, you obviously you need uh, the guys to win their reps. If you have a terrible offensive lineman out there, <clears throat> Connor McDermott might throw things off, but a lot of run blocking uh, and the running game does come from coaching. And I think that the coaches on this team are the reason why this, this looks so much different. And in terms of why, why can they be winning year in and year out? It's because I finally have faith in who the jets have not only drafting, but on game days on the sideline, like the, all the culture stuff, that's obviously huge, but in terms of s- strategy, I trust the jets strategically now. And I, I don't think you could say that for top bowls, you couldn't really say that for Rex Ryan all the time defensively. Yeah. But did I really trust Brian Schottenheimer or Marty Morningweg or, or Tony Sperano or, or who are some of the other, uh, Chan Gailey, like all these other guys schematically and strategically week in and week out. Like I do LaFleur or, you know, I guess I'll throw old brick and Saul in there. No. And so that's why I feel, that's why I'm so confident in the jets moving forward. Even if this year, they get hit with some injuries or Zach doesn't develop and it kind of falls apart. Maybe they miss the playoffs, whatever. I think you could still be optimistic about what they're building here uh, and the coaches they have in the building. Obviously that scenario sounds horrible, but I think more likely you're talking about a team that makes the playoffs and then maybe doesn't have, you know, barring a, a really good second half from Zach, maybe doesn't have the, the offensive firepower to, to win it all and, and go to a Super Bowl. So I, I think you're probably looking at a team that maybe gets a playoff win and then loses. Um, and if you're sitting there in January, you have to be very optimistic about what the Jets can maybe do next year. And I know, okay, I brought this point up, Michael, and I know you got mad at me when I said it, because there's no point in dwelling in the past. And like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, every team has injuries. And the only reason I bring it up is just because of, of what it means for next year. But if Brees Hall and AVT didn't get injured, the Jets legitimately could have won, could have, could have won a Super Bowl this year. And they still could like, they, I mean, it's not crazy to say they are six and three and their defense is, is among the best in the league. And when you have an amazing defense, especially like the type of season the jets are getting from guys like Quinnen and sauce uh, and DJ Reed, you know, you could win a super bowl, but you, 
it would help to pair that with an elite running game like they had. Um, they need Zach to really step up if they want to win playoff games. But in terms of looking at the future and not getting ahead of ourselves, like, look, we, we weren't talking Super Bowl here on this pod. We were talking playoffs. So let's just, let's keep the, the, the focus, uh, the focus, which was, we just want to see them win meaningful games. That's right. what they've done this year, but looking ahead, I'm just saying they get Brees back. They get AVT, what they've been building. Like I won't put it out there, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe a championship parade coming in the next few years. Is that, is that absurd to say? I mean, they're, they're set up for trending it. in that direction. They're setting themselves up for it. And I think you're right, regardless of how the season plays out, even if it, like you said, hopefully it doesn't happen, but even if they don't make the playoffs and hopefully if that, even if that does happen, it's, you know, with nine, 10 wins, not a complete crash and burn, but they're, they're setting themselves up for sustained success. Absolutely. And I think that's what, you know, Sala and Douglas talked about from the very beginning last season is that it was always about sustained success and they are putting themselves in position to do that. And that's what's most exciting about this season in comparison to uh, like the 2015 season, for example, is that it feels like what they're doing can last. It feels like the start of something, not just we have to get this right now, but more like, you know, it would it would be great to do as much as you can right now, but it also feels like they'll be back and they will be able to continue building on it and improving. And and that's the ultimate goal, because if you do want to win a Super Bowl, you have to give yourself as many chances as possible, because regardless of how good you are, the playoffs are a crapshoot. You got to win three or four games in a row. You got to have your best. It's hard to, to have that click. There are a lot of teams trying to get it done each year. Only one can do it. So you have to give yourselves a chance year after year after year if you want the best opportunity to get that one. And it seems like the Jets are setting themselves up to do that. So we'll see what happens. And in terms of, you know, Brees and AVT, just for me personally, like I don't I try not to bring it up too much because I feel like it's you know, like I'm trying to enjoy what's happening. Those injuries happened and it sucks, but you just got to live with it. So I don't so I don't try to like dwell on it too much. But at the same time, like you said, it is future like future thinking. It does help it does add to what the the future could be exactly and if they get consistent quarterback play there isn't a ceiling on what this team can do and i might, I won't get absurd but I, I feel like i keep qualifying myself and say i don't want to get absurd but it's like all right jets are six and three like they could make a playoff run this year you know um but it's going to come down to the quarterback play and i think until people see it consistently week in and week out anything uh having the jets and super bowl in the same sentence is going to sound ridiculous. Um, this comes from the Shanahan tree. They went to the super bowl with Garoppolo. Um, but we saw, we saw Zach's version of, of a Jimmy Garoppolo on Sunday against the bills, a guy who could manage the game and take care of the football. Um, but he has to do that consistently. If we're getting consistent Zach performances, yes, losing AVT and Brees hurts, but if they stay healthy, they can go on a run this year right now. Um, cause you, like you said, you never know when these windows open up, but right. yes, in terms of the future, getting those two guys, you know, throw Beckton in there as well. I think, you know, if, if he could be healthy, he's a, definitely a, a mover. Um, you have to be optimistic about, about what the future holds. All right. Next question from at underscore Doble underscore. Um, uh, should we even do this, Michael? I mean, this is, uh, he wants us. Okay. I'll, I'll read out exactly what he wrote. He wrote docs live coin flip for the rest of the schedule on the pod, which Michael and I have deciphered to mean do a live coin flip for the yes. rest of the schedule on the pod. Um, is that encroaching on, on at Nooner nations uh, copyright? It slash, does it mess, mess with the, uh, the coin flip, you know, 
Juju, no, what we got I, going I on? I think we're in the clear. And, you know, you know, I'm more than okay with messing with it because with all due respect, I do appreciate what it's done to this point, but I am not trying to see the Jets get swept by the Pats and lose to Justin Fields. And also, as much as I would appreciate the AFC Championship run, let's shoot a little bit higher than that. So let's oh. go ahead and do this. Okay. All right. So I'm all right. I'll flip a coin. You got to read them out to me. You might have to give some commentary while I do right. this. You, you're going to announce every game. I'll flip the coin. I'll tell you heads or tails. You, you can see me on camera. So I'm not lying. I'll flip it and I'll catch it and flip it back onto my hand. Okay. All right. All right. You, you read make, them out. Make loud. sure you do that because there is actually a little behind the scenes look here. There's actually a cut out take of this that we did where you kept letting it go on the floor and we didn't get the best results. So we, we started okay. over. We're going to do this a little more. Uh, professionally, I gotta relieve the right. trade secrets. All right, fine. Um, all right, so we got at New England coming out all of right, the bye. big one. All right, heads is a win, tails is a loss. All right, ready? And if it lands on the side, it's a tie. Oh, fuck. Loss, it's a tails. All right, <laughs> six <laughs> and four, six and four, baby. All so right, far the, so far, the Nooner Nation is holding up. All right, back. All right, this is this is gotta beat the Bears, though. Here we go, six and all four. Right. Come on. That's a win, baby. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's go. So we're officially on our own track here. We're yeah, okay. seven here, we four. here we go. Going into Minnesota for week 13. And that's a win, baby. All that's right. There we all go. All right. So we are eight and four. Eight and four, baby. All right. What's this one? The Bills? Right. At the Bills, Sunday night football, as we're probably. Projecting. Probably. All right. Here we go. That's what a loss. Got? That's a loss. Yeah, that's a loss. All right, eight and five. Not not the worst spot to be. Yeah, in. but you, we only beat the two NFC teams. Not going to help us that's in that. Wild card in the tiebreaker. Uh, so what's what's the record right now? We are eight and five. Two and wow. two post by. We got really, home against the Lions coming up here. They really do have. They really do have some some breathing room there. The fact that they lost two of those games and they're eight and five is pretty nice. All right, here we go. Um, what is this one? The the yep, Lions. Detroit. Right, here we go. Here comes Detroit. And Sala and Sauce get their revenge. I don't know if it's revenge. All right. They they beat the hometown, hometown team. team. Yeah. Before okay. also is a Michigan guy. Oh, wow. all right. I like the that improves our odds for that game. Uh this is all Jacksonville. Right. Nine There's... and five going into primetime spotlight against Jacksonville, week sixteen. All right, here we go. Oh, that coin flip is way over there, but I caught it. Oh, oh and it's a win. All right. Did you see that catch? Ten and five. The wingspan. Damn. That was Justin Jefferson right there. Um, right, we're in a nice spot going into the Gino revenge game in right. 17. Oh, come on, Gino. So, if they're 10 and 5, by the way, I was looking at um, I was looking at like the not to stall this, but like the Dolphin schedule, the Bengals schedule, the Chargers, like I was looking at the other AFC uh teams that are fighting for that wild card, assuming that the Bills win the division, although that's not necessarily a foregone conclusion, but. If the Jets are battling for the wild card, a lot of those teams, man, they have tough schedules. No, I agree. I was looking at them. They do have, I would say the Jets have, the big difference is the Jets have more winnable games. Right. Left. I think those Jaguars, Lions, Bears games, the Bengals and Dolphins don't have the same number of those kind of games. So the Jets really need to take advantage of those. That's what's yeah. going to set them apart. So we'll see. But I, I think that they, uh, you know, as tight as it is right now, a lot of these teams might, lose over the next few weeks so and you know here in the afc east there's still plenty of uh, intra-division games left so those obviously are going to yeah. play a big part as cool as it would be to win the division i'm just focused on just get one of those wild card spots no, i agree yeah honestly the jets match up well with pretty much every afc team um you know even i would say the the team that i actually 
scares me the most is Baltimore. Is that is that crazy to say? Like, obviously, Kansas City is unbelievable, but I feel like the Jets actually match up all right with KC in terms of what look what we saw what they did. To, well, we're getting off track. What am I doing here? Look what you saw them do to Buffalo is basically what I'm saying. Like a team that runs the ball really well and plays great defense scares me a lot more than a team like KC where it's like, all right, well, they have the corners to shut down the the weapons. They can put sauce on a guy like Travis Kelsey. That defense is, you know, opportunistic, but they're not scary. So I don't know. What are we, 10 and 5? 10 and 5. All right, here we go. All right, this is going into the Geno game. 10 and 5. That one hit the ground. Are we counting it? I haven't looked at it. Are we going to count it? Let's count it. Let's count it. Okay, ready? And Michael says to count it, and it's a win. Baby. All right, eleven five should be should be clinched by this point. I definitely, say, right? definitely a controversial uh, win, but they definitely clinched it. Eleven and five. I think okay. it's representative of how the game is going to go. There's going to be some weird call or something at the end, or some fan runs on the field in the middle of a potential game winning okay. touchdown by Geno Smith, and that's what this represents. But Jets okay. get the win. It's kind of uh, like wait, didn't the what was that play that? Wasn't there like a Vinny Testaverde? Yeah, I was going to say that. Actually get, and that was against the Seahawks, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. It's you. little history lesson yeah. for you because you weren't even, I mean, n- neither was I watching the team at that point. But yeah. Um, yeah, Justin Seahawks, I could see it. Uh, so we're 11 and 5, entering that that yep. last week of the season. I think they definitely clinched it. I would say there, there's a division shot here. This could 11. be for the division. Oh, it's, what's Buffalo's schedule again? Well, I won't look at it. But yeah, okay, maybe. Maybe. I think you don't think the Bills will lose two games by then. They've good... oh they do some winnable games. They yeah. Cleveland, Detroit, New England, Jets, yeah. Dolphins, Bears, Bengals, Patriots. We need like the Bengals to do us a Bengals and Pats the, or maybe Pats, the Dolphins. Dolphins. Yeah, maybe it's close. I think I think they probably have it locked down. It's just uh, seeding at this point, which I think I don't know. It's too. I mean, the only way if the Jets at this point are eleven and five, the only way the Bills could have it locked up over them is if they've gone undefeated because if they lost one game the jets can still tie them and get ahead i know they lost the bills game i guess it would come down to tiebreaker then and i think the bills will have it because of the jets afc because the jets have lost to the ravens the all three of the jets losses are afc i mean i, I guess all two of the bills lost oh yeah we got too, them but five and oh in the nfc with this prediction right yeah we did yeah yeah so five. yeah they're the conference record not on their side um all right well here we go either way this, Either way, last game of the season at Miami. Where this is for what are they eleven and five right now? Yep. Wow. All right, here we go. Last game of the year, and it's a win. Twelve and five. Four okay. In a row to close Twelve the year. and five. All right. Kind of realistic, honestly. Where does that put them? Fifth seed, I guess. Let's just give them the wild card because I, I don't know if they. I don't think that twelve and five is enough for the one seed. It's it's either they're going to be in the wild card. So, all right, I, I got something here to set up some playoff matchups for us. So, I went to NFL playoff predictor here. Uh, it's next.playoffpredictors.com. And so, you can randomize the predictions for all the games the rest of the year, and it gives you the standings and the playoff matchups. So, what seed did you say we'll give the Jets here? What do you think? Yeah, give them a five seed. All right, let's, so, say, let's say Buffalo wins the division. Okay, so they have the four seed as the Bengals. Winning the AFC North. What? Based on this is based on random picks for the rest yeah, of the Yeah, with the random picks, no. All, All right. right. Four so seeds, four seed's gonna be Tennessee. The three okay. seed will be Baltimore, two will be Buffalo, and one will be KC. Probably. I guess that's true. Let's make up our own predictions. Yeah. I mean, so well, like say, it could be any order of that, but it'll be the AFC South champ, which will be Tennessee. So yeah. it'll be so Tennessee. I guess Tennessee would be fourth seed. 
Yeah. Um, Forget the playoff predictor. Yeah, fuck the playoff predictor. I like the idea, though. I like the... uh, I had a good idea. Yeah. You had a better one. Yeah. So Tennessee Um, four seed, let's say. All right, Tennessee versus the Jets. I think the Jets match up actually pretty well against Tennessee, but they can run the football, like I said. That is dangerous, but Jets are more talented, in my opinion. Here we go. Give oh oh yeah never mind. What'd you say? What were you gonna say? I I have all you're predicting. I forgot. <laughs> oh yeah okay. You know what? This was not a clean catch. Gotta I'm not gonna count face this. In the coin. Technically, technically that technically that was a win. Should I count it? I did. did it you counts. see what happened? It's still random. Okay, I was I wasn't gonna count it until I saw it was a win, and then I was like, okay. Well, I flipped it up and then I caught it with my elbow, and then I was like, shit. Then I looked and it was a win. Still random. That's all right, point. another another controversial. Right, we're going win. to the divisional. All right, we're going to the divisional. Jets at this point are a much hated team with. Two controversial wins here. They are probably playing. All right. So as the five seed, they're probably playing either. Well, this they is play the two seed most no. likely, right? Well, they would need one of the wild cards to win for that to be the case. They, which honestly it might be considering how strong the wild cards, but they play the. So the one seed would play the lowest remaining seed, right? Oh, so, so they the, could be playing the five, right? Or the exactly. One. If if uh, all if the favorited teams win, then yeah, because like yes, it, they would be playing the one. So are we saying this is in KC? I w- I think one of the wild cards will win though. So uh, this is all bullshit at this point, Mike. Should Let's we just point say it's those games? No, <laughs> no. It's just this is just it's right, getting off the rails here. Okay, they're going to KC. This is KC. Here we go. Ready? Coin is up. Okay, that's also not a clean catch. But considering we caught counted the last one, we're going to count this one. I don't Maybe know where it is. Some suspense here. I got to find it. It landed somewhere in these this couch. All right, ready? It's a win. Yes. <laughs> We're, We're going, going to the AFC championship. championship, baby. Are we playing Buffalo? Yeah, I guess we'll say this is Buffalo. All right, they're, they're one and one at this point. Here we go. One and one at Buffalo, AFC championship. Chance for either of them to go to the Super Bowl. Both both, both fan bases desperate for a Super Bowl win. Here we go at Buffalo. It's all up to the coin. All up to the magical coin. Oh, I love that sound. It's a very satisfying set, and it's a win. Yes, <laughs> believe in the coin. Forget the nooner coin. We got to trust in the blessing. The CYJ pot, yeah, the CYJ potted coin is definitely the blessing coin. All right, this is it. All right, who this is the Super Bowl? Billy? Eagles. It's, who definitely <laughs> nice northeastern battle between green flying not, teams. Not a great, not a great uniform matchup for the Super Bowl, but yeah, that's true. And and you know, I got to be honest, the Eagles, the the the. The teams that scare me are the teams with really good offensive lines because it limits the effect that the Jets can have with with rushing four. Yeah. The Eagles have a damn good offensive line. Although we're breaking down this hypothetical Super Bowl matchup, <laughs> but the Eagles Who definitely gets to sc- pick the uniforms in the Super Bowl. Uh, the it alternates between who's the home team and then whoever's the home team gets to pick. So if I'm not mistaken, the it was the Bob's Rams, team. right? Because the Bengals were rocking with the white uniforms and they got forced to wear the black jerseys. It was the Rams, right? Yeah. I yes. know they, it was their state. So it's the, so the Jets are the home team then. So the Jets are the home team is what you're so saying? Got to rock yeah. the white on black then. Oh, it gets to wear the white on black. All right, here we go. This is the Super Bowl right here. Uh, why am I kind of nervous? <laughs> All right, here we go. Jets, Eagles, Super Bowl. Here we go. Here we go. Coin is up. Didn't get the sound really that time. Oh, my oh, heart no. didn't take it. My heart won't be no. able to take this. <laughs> no. It's a win. Yes. <laughs> no, it was a loss. Yeah, it was okay. a loss. I was gonna sell it for the pod, but no, it was a loss. We lost. We definitely lost that one. It was a good I, one. I, I couldn't. I couldn't lie about the coin. I thought about it. I was like, should we just say they won? But no, they lost. It was tails. You're right. I didn't get a good. I didn't get a good flip on that one. Well, 
right. They lost. The, you know what's funny is the, if they lost in the Super Bowl, you know how depressed we'd all be? And it would just yeah. be like. That's we something were, I realized about being good. It's like you think like like when you're losing, you just kind of think, I just want to be competitive. I want to be in the playoff race. But you don't realize what comes with that. Because when you're like the 2021 Jets and you're three and nine, you don't care when your team loses. But when you're six and three or you're going to the playoffs, the Super Bowl against the Eagles and the, every, every, every one of those losses hurts so much. There's a lot of pain that comes with the, the yeah, joy with the expect- yeah, with expectations. I mean, obviously, but put in the perspective of the fact that they, uh, we, what do we say on this podcast as our, as our goal for the season? We want to see them in the Seven hunt graphics in the hunt. No, graphics. we want to see them in the hunt. Graphic. Yeah, that's what they're in the wild card graphic. They've never <laughs> like, been in, in the hunt. It's been wild card since they started putting those out. Yeah. So it's, it's, we've just been waiting for, uh, for meaningful November and December games, and the Jets are doing that. So you kind of tr- have to keep it in perspective. Got to appreciate it. Because most likely, 99% chance this season will end in heartbreak, whether that's... Well, according uh, to Football Outsiders, it's 98%. They're giving the Jets a 2% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Look, it's it, it actually could happen. For the first time in a while, the Jets actually do have a shot of it. Like a legitimate shot. Like they they with this defense, and depending on what they get at the, from the quarterback, they can beat anybody. You know, I take all those qualifications out. The Jets can be. They, they have a better overall team than the Bengals, or similar to the Bengals last year. Yeah, they have a better. They, oh, they definitely have a better team than the Bengals. The difference is the quarterback. Yeah, um, because their offensive line's the defense better. The defense is much is, better. Defense is better. I mean, Jamar Chase is the, the weapons would probably go to the Bengals, but I would say close. coaching is better. Probably, yeah. Um, but hard to say until the Jets match what they did. Um, but like, yeah, it is. It is you have to keep in perspective a little bit because most likely it'll end in heartbreak and as frustrating as, as that'll be unless they pull it off. Um, the fact that they've, what they've done to this point already. Um, I don't want to say it's not enough, um, but it's certainly uh, supporting well, everything. On that track to easily right. go, by, and, go beyond just, what we expected. Exactly. And supporting everything we've been saying on this podcast for, for two years now about like why you should be optimistic or why we should be buying. And the jets are finally starting to back it up on the field. They got to close it out this season and you'd like to see them win some playoff games and really make a run at it. And hell, if they made it to the Super Bowl, that would be amazing. It would haunt me forever. If they <laughs> lost it, like until they made it back, it would haunt me. Um, but the good thing is, is no matter what happens this year, they are really set up. Um, for the next few years, they have they're opening up a window um, for the next few years here. So, look at that, Michael. We got some 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 future optimistic Jets talk, which is really the backbone of this podcast. It hasn't been until recently that we've had to talk about actual, you know, reality. Um, damn, I really wish that coin was was heads. I should I have sold it? Should I have just played it for the pod? I think no, I got to go with that. Yeah, honesty is key. It was a bad flip and a bad catch too. But like, we got some like, bad ones where they won. So that's true. That is true. We did get a few few lucky ones. All right. Well, oh, we have one last question, Michael. Here's my question for you. Okay. Is Adam Gase the savior of the Jets franchise? I think it can be argued. You know, right? Right. I mean, that is kind of the day things changed when you think that's about kind it. of really set everything in motion. I mean, that is what set everything to get, into motion. to get to where they are right now. They had to go as low as you possibly could to set it all up. And the only <laughs> reason much. that happened is because they hired Adam Gase. I think you hire anyone else that year and the jets are more, they're not as bad as they were those two years, especially 2020. And if they were more competent, you know, it would be, they'd be better in that short term, but would they get the assets that they needed 
to build the team they have now. I don't know if they would. So, and also would they have the the drama to force Jamal Adams out of town? Does a different head coach think, think about think about the butter- that happening? Think so. about the butterfly effect of hiring Gase, right? Right. Um, the obvious one is pushing McCagnet out, and I think Gase does deserve credit because he was the guy who advocated for Joe Douglas. It wasn't like Joe Douglas right. was just some random candidate. He was Adam Gase's guy. That doesn't mean that you know they worked together one year in Chicago and he knew this guy was good. But credit to Adam Gase because he thought that Joe Douglas would be a good GM. And you know maybe they would have hired him or he would have got. It sounds like he probably would have gotten a GM job maybe the next offseason or the cycle after that maybe. Um, but I think Gase deserves some credit for recognizing McCagnin's difficulties and being crazy enough to say I'm not going to work with this guy even though we just did the entire offseason fire him. Chris, like in New York, like how absurd that was. Um, but you know, give it to him. He didn't want to tie himself to, to McCagnon that firing sets in motion, Joe Douglas. And then Joe Douglas obviously sets in motion. Everything else has happened, including hiring Robert Sala. And I don't know. I think, uh, Gase as much hate as he deserves does should get some credit. If, if the jets really turn this thing around and it's because of Joe Douglas, I think, you know, Maybe Gase gets a little shout out at the Super Bowl parade. Who are the uh, current members of this team that were here during the Gase years? Quinnen, Thomas Hennessy. Hennessy. Who else? There's got to be somebody uh, else. Is that it? I mean, is that really it? Is there nobody else? There I'm has dumb. to be. John, John Franklin George Myers, George Brakes, Fant. Brax, Braxton Bryce Berrios. Huff. There we go. Braxton Berrios, George Fant, Bryce Huff. Uh, uh, I think that might be it. The only, the only, uh, Brandon uh, Man. I get, yeah, he was there too. Oh, yeah, the 2020 class. Yeah, that's true. So, any Mims, Beckton, Bryce Hall, all those guys. Right. Um, the only uh, relic from the Bulls era, though, I think is Hennessy, right? Yes. I love I love that Quinnen, like the, the, their best player, is probably Quinnen, right? Uh, got to see the whole. I mean, look, we're talking like the Jets have already won something. Just six and three at the bye. Just give it to us. Um, he's gotten to see the transformation from the Gase years to at least having something resembling competent football. Right. That's been pretty cool. All right. Regardless, we've just spent the last 10 minutes talking about Super Bowl runs and flipping coins. And um, I think uh, (laughs) an Adam Gase, Um, certainly season's not over. The Jets have not. I mean, uh, the, uh, the first take of that coin flip, which I wasn't a real take because I dropped the coin under the cat. It was a whole thing. So we're we're not going to count that, but um, the season could, they could certainly lose a lot of games and miss the playoffs. And then we'll be looking back here and, and, uh, remembering how glorious the bye week was, but I also think there's a real chance the Jets make a run here, and so the season is far from over. They're really, they've really set themselves up for some big moments uh, over these next two months, and I'm super excited, Michael. So we'll be back on Friday previewing that Pats game. Um, but hey, season's not over, job's not done. Jets have set themselves up well, but if they really want to accomplish something and do something, you can give us something to be completely obnoxious about on this podcast in the off season. They got to go win some playoff games. So I think that's the goal. One game at a time. It all starts in New England. That's a, such a big one to be first place in the AFC East and exercising that demon and going into Gillette and beating Bill Belichick and for Zach Wilson. Like this game on Sunday is huge. I know the coin flip had us, had us losing it and then going all the way to the Super Bowl, but there is a feeling that if they win this game against the Patriots, the Jets talk is going to get louder and louder and people are really going to buy in. And, you know, they have. That game against the Bears, maybe, you know, that's not a, a easy win by any means, but certainly a, maybe a step down in the level of opponent they've been playing the last few weeks. Um, 
it feels like if they win this Pats game, the uh, the expectations are are really there. If they lose it, I think people won't be able to trust the quarterback, and they'll they'll keep waiting for those same old Jets moments. But if if they exercise this demon, Michael, I think the the rhetoric on the Jets is going to be very different. So very excited about Sunday. Yep. Our podcast sure. will be coming out on Friday. We'll dive deep, preview all the matchups. Um, it should be a fun one. Um, so that one will be coming out on Friday. We promise. Um, but thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for everybody who submitted questions. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, apologies for being late uh, on this this week's pod. We'll be back on the usual swing of things now that the schedule's um, back underway. You can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nania, myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to jetsactractor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes uh, if you can. Helps out the pod a ton. I think that's it, Michael. Subscribe to the Jets Extractor YouTube. I don't know. I think that's it. Michael, last thoughts? Um, I mean, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say happy because I want all the help they can get, but I think it's kind of poetic that the Dolphins were able to still win that Browns game and that now the Jets are in this position to where they have to win in New England to um, get into first place in the division. And like you said, just exercise those Foxborough demons. So I think you know it would have it been nice to get both of those losses, but it, I think there's there's something to it that the Jets are going to have to win their way. Into I agree. That throne. I agree. I would be a little bit worried if they had ha- if they would now be first place in the AFC going into New England. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if they, not that they would get complacent, but it would kind of be like they have to go earn first place in the AFC by right. beating the team that just beat them, and they have to go do it on their home field. Uh, it sets it up for for a sets the stage for a huge matchup. Uh, and honestly, one that that is deserving of prime time. This game deserves to be to be prime time over what do they flex instead? Chargers, Chiefs. Yeah. More Mahomes games. Right, Just whatever. saw the Chargers this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Whatever. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Have a great week. We'll be back on Friday. Go Jets.